Hey everyone, this is Brandon with a special request for you today. If you're in our little corner of the internet, you probably already know all about Cop City or have at least heard uh, bits about it here and there and how the cops have now murdered one protester in cold blood, uh, shot one of their own officers uh, in that raid. So, you know, at least they got something right. And uh, they're generally just having a hellish time down there uh, trying to stop that compound from being built. And I personally know some folks that are involved down there and figured, you know, why bother even having a platform if I can't, you know, promote some of my friends' causes. So uh, we are asking, uh, in lieu of having ever asked you for anything, money or otherwise, that you could look up uh, Stop Cop City or Defend Atlanta Forest online on any social media. And we'll be posting links in the show notes for it. And, uh, you know, send them a little bit of money if you have anything to spare. And if, if you don't have anything to spare, they're doing a letter writing campaign because they still have uh, protesters that are in jail down there. If ever you were going to do anything because we asked you to, now is the time that I would most genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And if you can't do it, everyone understands. But if, if you can throw a little bit their way or, or do something to help, it's always appreciated. Thank you. All profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they've got to get them off welfare. Hey, welcome back to Cars and Comrades, your leftist car podcast. If you're hearing this, it means we uh, were too lazy or uh, schedules didn't work to record a regular episode. So we're slotting this uh, pre-recorded segment into something else um, that we recorded earlier. It's like, you know, a cooking show when they pull out the cake that they made <laughs> earlier. But Except uh, in our case, that cake is uh, mindless banter. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, before we start with our main topic, uh, Brandon, you had a quick uh, car update. Is that right? Yeah. Um, well, since we pre-recorded it, it can be hard to predict, but uh, it's safe to say my Chevy and my Ford are broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's safe to say one of us is having car problems at this given moment. No, guys, I swear I'm about yeah. to get the Audi ready to be sold. This week, I promise. I'm going to put my interior back in the Z any day now. Oh, for lying to ourselves, then I'm doing well emotionally. <laughs> All right. Well, our topic for discussion today is what would you do if you were climate Stalin? And what I mean is, let's say there's a revolution. Uh, whatever flavor of revolution that you prefer in the U.S. Actually, no, because it's climate Stalin, it's a ML revolution. And uh, the American Bolsheviks take power and uh, you were uh, put into power to combat climate change uh, in a authoritarian and heavy handed way. What would you do in this case? I would first reject the concept of authoritarianism altogether. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just put. So you would post up the Friedrich Engels uh, essay on authority everywhere in in the paper. No, no, I, I, like this isn't even a bit. I, I reject the concept of authoritarianism. It's not a relevant concept. You mean? I I don't think that it's ever been used in a meaningful way to convey like what it like its intended meaning is. Yeah, it's used. It's used by like, I, 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 like. To use the word in its definition, it's a thing that an authoritarian state levies against another state it doesn't approve of, i.e. the U.S. against yeah. any communist yeah. nation. Well, yeah. it's, same. it's like the the use of the word regime or things like that. It's, it's propagandistic language, for sure. But I think yeah. there, there is some... There is some aspects of it that, like, we kind of get what, what we're talking about. Like, you're going to you know, you are in charge, you get to decide what the fuck we're doing and it's going to happen one way or another. Um, like, I mean, the U S is authoritarian, I think in, in a, in a meaningful sense, I think the U S is an authoritarian state, but it's also the place where you'll most quickly hear that term levied against 
every other state but themselves. Oh, of course, yeah. Which which is why I feel like it's uh, ultimately boils down to being useless. I mean, it's basically any negative description of any other country in the world that the U.S. uses. You know, it's pure projection. It's like it's we're, we're. we're oh, so yeah. quick to call China authoritarian. And it's just like, okay, anytime that they do anything, it doesn't matter that it's to improve the lives of their people. It's because they're authoritarian. Because oh, you know, yeah. we have no concept that a state could ever willingly do something to benefit its people. <laughs> That's true. We do not have that concept here. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, we shouldn't here. <laughs> the it's evidence... be free enterprise. <laughs> Well, in any case, so you are climate Stalin. How are you addressing climate change? You're the leader. You get to have the say. It is for the good of everyone, basically. Yeah, um, you are the stereotype uh, in a liberal's mind of an authoritarian communist leader. Well, as I said, uh, I'm building more walls a la Trump, <laughs> except uh, instead of keeping people out, it's just going to be to... <laughs> Just so That's they have some start. place to lean and, and be comfortable, right? No, it's something to catch all the... <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't clear. I meant to... them <laughs> Violently. <laughs> Authoritarianly. Is there non-violent... <laughs> or I, I'm pretty sure they're all pretty violent. Mm, I can't come up with something sarcastic enough off the yeah. bat, so you're right. I'm sure America. I'm sure America considers all the it does to be nonviolent. Yeah, well, of course they're 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 deserved yeah. by merit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially they're... when it's on the side of the road at the hands of the police. Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to bleep out a few words in this. A one, few? I yeah, I might have already crossed a few lines. <laughs> those numbers out. <laughs> <laughs> Those are rookie numbers. All right, we bleep a lot of stuff. Sometimes I'm not sure if we're important enough to have to bleep it, but I'm part of me's glad that Brian does because he's just probably out of some sort of trouble. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I don't know. I can be paranoid about. Yeah, I mean, none of this is none of this is going to sound good in a court case. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Intervention, turn leftist, and Brian have all let me know that they've had to edit out like a lot of what I say whenever I record with them. <laughs> hey, like I said, it's okay. I've had to edit out things that I've said. So, no, I'm saying this is a point of pride. <laughs> okay, good. Had the right shit. <laughs> anyway, so here's the 500 people that I would first <laughs> to help. Uh, <laughs> and up next, we've got their addresses. <laughs> Wow, um, I am really taking this off the rails. <laughs> no, it's all right. Did you have anything else, uh, Brandon, or should we come back to you? Oh, I didn't even know it was my turn. I thought I was just making jokes. I mean, but you were, you... but then then you've made so many that it's now it's got to be your turn. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's too many jokes in one spot. <laughs> well, uh, I would I would legitimately lean into the fact, like the same thing that we always talk about on the show. Which you you get rid of cars as something other than like a hobby or a sport, like. You, you turn a lot of that infrastructure into trains and public transportation. God, I would I would so Hell lean yeah. into high-speed rails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the listeners are going to hear that specifically four times, yeah. at least. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take, like, everything that you could realistically do as climate Stalin, it would actually look more like climate Mao, because you're going to have to have, like, an actual cultural revolution. And I'm not saying that in, in the sense of, like, people need to be killed or everything is... Uh, to go to transition to a sustainable world is going to be a lot of work culturally. Like people are going to have to get used to a lot of things that they're not used to, which I think are beneficial, but people just fight change tooth and nail, good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Not everyone's going to agree with us and fight on our side. Like, and those people just, that's why we build the walls. Yes. (laughs) Well, what if, what if uh, we kill all the sparrows? Would that help climate change? (laughs) (laughs) it's worth a try yeah um it's not it's not worth a try no no um it is funny though that you said uh climate mao and that is a term that is in a book written by uh i think who was it? i don't know 
uh, that one anarchist guy, Robert Evans, was talking about it. The guy who does, uh, I think, Behind the Bastards. Oh, yeah. And and that other, um, It Could Happen Here or whatever is his, his kind of daily podcast. Anyway, who, you know, I agree with a lot of what he says. He's a leftist, but sometimes he has some takes I'm not on board with. But Yeah, um, sometimes I think leftist. he's a fed. But... Yeah, everyone kind of <laughs> wonders. He seems awfully popular for, for being a radical, but... He's got some good things to say, but I don't know if it was his book or if he was talking about someone else's book, but they had like this four different ways of dealing with climate change. And one was like, and they gave him like these silly names, climate Leviathan, which is oh, like, was it for futures? It might be something like that. And it was like climate Leviathan, climate Mao, which would be like the authoritarian kind of fashion of dealing with climate change. Uh, the Leviathan one was like, u.s capitalism and fascism dealing with climate change and i forget what the other ones were but i, I just remember climate mile was 100 percent one of those like terms that they were using so it's very funny that you're just like yeah probably something like climate mile is what i would do um i mean to be fair i i think i think you were right for why your your explanation i i agree with you i mean i think it like okay let's let's pretend for a second that authoritarianism is a thing if there were ever a time for it, one might argue that the time is uh, on the verge of human extinction. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. No, hundred percent. My inner, so, uh, my and even my inner anarchist is agreeing with you. Yeah, no, for sure. Same here. If ever there was a time, yeah, hundred percent would be it. Like, hey, maybe we can sort out the details once we've like stopped the world from ending. Yeah, but I until agree. Until then, also, like, I think I'm gonna be the only one who's on board with this, but like. We're going to have to really, like, do a lot to change agricultural practices and, like, yeah. consumption. No, you're absolutely Yeah, right yeah. Nope, yeah. I agree. Like, I'm not coming from that from the perspective of, like, I'm vegan and everyone else should be too. I'm coming from the perspective that, like, raising livestock to the scale that we do is insane. Oh, uh, unsustainable in every yeah. way. Like, if you find, like, localized ways to do it, whatever, I'll shut up, but, like, yeah, as as it is done now, like no, sorry, you, you probably aren't supposed to eat beef four times a day. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no that's got to go. That that is that's part of that cultural revolution you were talking about. I think. Yeah, I can get done with that, as someone who eats meat. Yeah, I would call myself yeah. an omnivore of convenience. Like, do you know how fucking hard it is to find vegan food? It's fucking hard. Uh, I. I've been vegan for 20 years. And has it gotten easier to find vegan food? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. That's Relatively, I, I suppose. But like they have <laughs> non-vegan food, I should say. Is it easier? I, I think it would be pretty absurd to say that, it, uh, that it's easier to find food that's not vegan. And like, like I, I don't think it's absurd of me to say it is a challenge to be vegan in our current society and yeah, culture. Yeah, it's less convenient. I, yeah. It's not yeah. a point that I feel like I can argue because I am so used to it and know everything that I can and can't eat. Right. Uh, it is, I don't find it inconvenient, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. Like, that's yeah. that's me sure. trapped in my little personal bubble. Yeah, and that might be me trapped in my personal bubble of never having been vegan. Or attempting yeah. to be vegan, so you know maybe it's not as hard as it seems to me. But right now, it's like I don't even know what I, I I have no idea how I would go about it. It's just like every single source of nutrition around me has meat and or dairy in it. Is what it feels like. Anyway, yeah, it would just it would take some getting used to for sure. Yeah, but that's like, I'm saying that to say if we had a massive cultural shift towards providing vegan food to the masses, it, it, I think it would be very easy for me to be vegan because it's just, you know, if it was the norm, obviously it would be easier. Yeah. It's the norm. Well, I, mean, I like, yeah. I like, I don't, I don't, I did, like, again, I did not say this to like hyper-focus on veganism because to, to me, that's an ethical thing as to where I, we're arguing something a bit more along the lines of pragmatism for right. the sake of actually yeah. saving the world. Right. And like, you know, if, if somebody has like chickens in their backyard and wants to have eggs or slaughter a chicken here and there, like that's reasonable compared to like industrial scale farming. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 100%. But like one thing that I learned once really made it made me realize the extent to which 
we need to re like evaluate the way we look at uh, raising food altogether was so like uh, the I'm drawing a blank on the name, but uh, the, the all local thing that a lot of places like to do mm-hmm. where like nothing is grown more than like a hundred miles away, like all that. Oh, shit. yeah. It's like farm to table. Is that what it is? Farm to table. Yeah. Uh, I found out that there are certain things that farm to table restaurants do that by some metrics might be considered worse for the environment. I because see that. they're trying to force uh, certain crops or plants to grow in, a, in an environment where they're not meant to be grown and can't really sustain themselves. So it's actually more energy intensive to raise those crops in the wrong uh, environment than it is to ship them in. Yeah, if yeah. you have locally grown farm-to-table avocados <laughs> in Michigan, like, yeah. trust me, dude, you're not helping. Yeah, you just... You, Sorry, you, you can't have some things sometimes. Yeah. Hello? I, oh, shit. Is, uh, we have a fuck up. Is, can everyone hear Connor? I can hear Connor. Can everyone hear me? Yeah, I can. I can, hear. I can hear everyone. Connor, are you okay? So we had a little audio snafu. We'll we'll see uh, what happened with that last file. Maybe we'll just uh, redo this whole whole segment again. But uh, that remains to be seen. Um, so we're talking about farming, I guess. Um, I I wonder what you all think of the whole like synthetic like lab grown meat thing. I don't know enough about it to to have a judgment. Um, I mean, personally, I don't know that much about it, but uh, I'm all for it. I think I'm like, oh, that seems great. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I actually don't seems... know about the environmental impact, but I can only assume it's massively better. Yeah, uh, it's, right. it's hard to imagine it being worse. It's not like not that this is the relevant question, but it's it's not really that good for you. No, is it oh, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, like, I mean, meat um, in general isn't that good for you. So. Yeah, I thought, is it worse than like? meat in general or i thought it was basically a one-to-one oh i don't think it's even as bad for you as meat it's just not that's just not saying much oh well yeah i mean meat meat and red meat specifically are not good for you but yeah i thought there was like something specific about it that made it worse than like no no it's not like poison or something it's just uh it's it's kind of a lot of empty calories. Like there's protein to it, but there's no real nutrient density to it. Right. Hmm. Unless I'm wrong, I don't know. But I vaguely recall having read that. Although, like around the time that a lot of the fake meat stuff started coming out, um, there were so many people who were opposed to it for no other reason than like vegans bad that it was hard to suss out like what was real and what people were just making up so that they had a reason to hate it. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, barring it being, like, horribly cost-prohibitive or somehow worse for the environment, if we could just swap, you know, all general meat production over to lab-grown meat and not have a huge environmental impact, and it was basically the same thing, fuck yeah, I'm all for it. Why not, you know? Should we all be eating as much meat as we are? No, definitely not. But if it gets people to stop relying so much on factory farming i think it's a win yeah Yeah, i think if like especially if it was like cheap stuff like hamburger or hot dogs or whatever if you got if if there was a lab grown hot dog that was cheaper than the regular oscar meyer or whatever then i'm sure people would just be like yeah sure whatever i'll i mean to be honest i feel like it would it would be it would be difficult to imagine a fake hot dog being worse than a real right. one in any right. way. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. In my experience with fake hot dogs compared to like what I remember about real hot dogs is it's a significant improvement. I mean, <laughs> I've, I believe I've eaten vegan hot dogs before from vegan friends that are like, Oh, this is all I have. Like, sorry, you got to eat vegan. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, let me try it. And I was like, wow, it tastes like a hot dog. Like <laughs> it's, it's a hot dog. It already is kind of fake meat. It's not like okay. I'm like, oh, this A5 Wagyu prime rib doesn't quite taste right. <laughs> it's a fucking hot dog. Like, it it kind of tastes like mush as it is. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's if I never ate, if I never ate a real hot dog again, and I only ever ate vegan hot dogs, I don't think I'd fucking notice. Honestly, hot dogs are just tube spam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Yep. Well, I've got a few ideas. Uh, unless Brandon, you had something else. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm being so effective at just ripping things right off the rails to, today. Uh, why don't I just let you go? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, first things uh, first is I'm coming for those gas stoves. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get my big giant spoon. I'm going <laughs> to scoop up all those gas stoves and eat them up. <laughs> you know what I think is legitimately kind of like an interesting idea that I don't, I would never hear it thrown around because of the whole cultural revolution part of it, but like no more kitchens in your house. I've I've heard that before. Yeah. I don't know if it's a great idea, but I do kind of like the idea of like communal cafeterias where like you can go work for a shift and, you know, cook some food and then, you know, go back another day and eat some food for free. And I I recently uh, had it pointed out to me that like, up until like the what maybe maybe late 1800s or 1900s like it wasn't especially common in an urban environment to have the means to like cook food at home like huh yeah like you know I if you that... lived out in the country you had to but a lot of people that worked in cities would eat at like you know maybe not cafeterias or diners but whatever the the equivalent of the era would be because it just wasn't practical to ha- outfit every single dwelling with a kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine like a t- like eating out being affordable enough to do that. <laughs> that would be great. I'm all for yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, in in my Stalinist revolution, affordability is not really the factor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the only reason it's not affordable is because of capitalism and the profit motive today. I mean, about that yeah it's ingredients same number of ingredients same people eating nothing changes there so it would probably be more efficient it probably would be restaurants are way better at using shit than you know i try but sometimes you're like what's that in the back of the fridge oh shit and frankly it's just way easier to effectively make a lot of food than it is to cook for like one or two people or even like three or four like making things in bulk is just way easier to utilize food and i think we have a hard time imagining like you know i i definitely hear it thrown around a lot in like conceptually but like the idea of food being a human right like it's weird to divorce yourself from the reality that we live in, but if you food really was a human right and like we were guaranteed food, what would that look like? Is it like we get to go to the grocery store and pick out the food that we want to make in our own home every week? Or is it some sort of communal kitchen that just provides meals for everyone in a specific area three times a day? That oh, seems oh, like a damn. much better way I to never... do it. I had never thought about this. This is really interesting. I've just no, never... honestly, can I like shamelessly plug a book real quick? No, yeah. to y'all and everyone else listening. I don't care if you said no. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> read Ursula K. Le Guin's *The Dispossessed*. Yep, it is the gonna, best fucking view of what like a genuine like. I mean, I think she identifies as anarchist, and it shows kind of an anarchist society, but like just a post-capitalist society could look at look like like down to the details down to stuff like this like where they eat and how they eat where they live and how they live where they you know the ways in which they raise children like they one big thing in the book is that you you don't say my mother or my father you say the mother the father as in like the person who is responsible for this child being created but not responsible for this child beyond yeah it's like a complete view outside of our society so yeah, read that. Yeah, a big part of that uh, that society is like they engineered their own language to get rid of any like possessive words, mm-hmm. so that like no one is like, you know, holding on to something as theirs. You know, it's all yeah. communal. It's fucking but, awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing that I would really like to include in this is that like because when you have a conversation about you know communism, everybody always asks like you know how how do you assign responsibilities? Like oh, there's nobody around that like wants to clean shit up all day, right? there are so many people that love to cook and love to cook for groups of people. It would actually be like a really sick opportunity 
for a lot of people that love doing that. In fact, that's actually, that's probably one of the biggest aspects of human culture in everywhere in the world. And in every time is that's what holidays are about. Family getting together to cook for large numbers of people. Yeah. Every the fact that we've like narrowed that down to like what two, maybe three times per year that we get to experience yeah. that is completely fucked. Yeah. Like that is yeah. like you said, it is such a huge part of just being a human being to to experience that communal, you know, cooking and eating together with you know, like your family or just the people around you, you know? Yeah. Dude, I kind of threw this idea out there on a whim and I really love that it, it got the traction it has. <laughs> And uh, I think, you know, I, I just as like we, we mentioned that, you know, there's plenty of people that are not car enthusiasts and they just want to drive a uh, Corolla, you know, and they would be perfectly happy taking good public transit. Like if there was public transit that served their needs, they would ditch their car and not think twice. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's just as many people that like would not want to like cook for themselves and they would just go to this communal cafeteria three meals a day and okay, well you, you know, got, uh, yeah, you got, um, lab grown meatloaf this, you know, today <laughs> for dinner. All right. That sounds good. I'll have that, you know, as, as evidenced by the massive popularity of Uber eats and Grubhub right. delivering dog shit, horrible fast food <laughs> to people constantly obviously these people don't want to cook for themselves and they don't really care if the food that they're getting is fucking gourmet quality they just want decent food and they don't want to have to work for it and oh yeah 100%. it's me i'm i'm these people yeah. like I'm people. are you kidding me with yeah. the, with uh, you know i get a i get a couple hours to myself a day and half of that time is spent cooking and fucking cleaning up from the goddamn cooking yeah, it sucks. If I can knock that out, if I can knock that out and have a professional cook for me, absolutely. And in a heartbeat, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I I am into this this policy. For sure. I'd support this. It at the party vote at the committee or or whatever, <laughs> uh, I would vote yes on this 100%. I, yeah. I also like the more I think about it, the more like stuff it opens itself up to to like just like you were saying, the 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 bringing everyone together, like the sense of community that you would build from that sort of interactions with each other, and like seeing like your neighbors and friends like regularly. Yeah, imagine yeah, like, going kind of like at the public house, like everyone gets together and knows everyone in the neighborhood. That's a that's a good thing. I'm just imagining like going to the other side of town to visit your buddy and you go eat with them and see like, oh man, the food here is so different. Like, oh, your cook's cool. Like you got to come check out my yeah. guy sometime. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, if people like their kitchens, they can keep them, you know, like <laughs> we, we don't have to like tear out every single kitchen in every uh, home, but like uh, you're, you're getting an induction stove if you, if you do uh, no more of this fossil fuel nonsense. Yeah, and I mean, like, in the interim there, like, how do you create housing that's more affordable? Fuck, man, like, do you not want a kitchen? Get one of these super cheap no-kitchen places. Like, yeah, it's yeah. even lower cost. Yeah, I mean, I always I always find, like, tiny little apartments in bigger cities where there's no bathroom, but there's, like, a kitchenette. And I'm like, y'all fucked it up. That's backwards as shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can pretty easily go into public and get food. It's really hard to go into public and get a shower or a like private place to take a shit. So, you know, maybe give me that part. Cause that's the part I actually need. Um, well, the other policy I, I do is just nationalize everything. Yeah. You know, everything that, uh, all the liberals were scared of, uh, Jeremy Corbyn nationalizing, going to nationalize sausages, <laughs> nationalize Amazon, fold it in with the USPS, um, yeah. nationalize all the rail lines. You know, Amtrak gets to run passenger trains whenever they want. Fuck your freight. Wait, is you Amtrak know, not privately owned? It's it's one of those like publicly owned company. It's like a it's like a government owned thing that has to like turn a profit, like the the postal service or whatever. Gotcha. But uh, what else? Um, nationalize all the fossil fuel companies and the car companies. Start transitioning them to, uh, you know, green energy and public transit. Oh, these um, commies even want to make the car companies transition. 
Um, and then also like not just you know nationally owned, but like run by the workers uh, in some capacity, you know, through in some unions, sort of like Soviet. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but uh I don't know. I, I had some other ideas, but uh I'll I'm sure they'll come to me. But those are the big ones. All right. Well then uh, I guess I can go. Yeah. So if I were tasked with solving climate change and I had the power to do it, I'm the new climate Stalin. Hmm. Well, I'd I'd obviously there's a God, there's so much to fucking do. Yeah, we really haven't uh, even touched on some major stuff yet. Like, obviously, yeah. like, the military-industrial complex alone would, like, yeah. at least slow down the, like, the progression towards climate collapse by a oh, yeah. massive oh, margin. Oh, don't, don't forget. They, they, got, they got paid $800 billion. I'll be like, cool. That is $800 billion that we're going to do some shit with. Get ready to work, motherfuckers. So, yeah, put down the gun. Pick up a shovel. We're planting yeah, some actually, trees. Yeah. Like, yeah, planting trees. We're setting up new infrastructure, high speed rail, obviously, you know, the normal transportation stuff. But, um, yeah, definitely going to be a lot of high speed rail between like cities and then, you know, other hubs where we fill in the gaps. But like high speed rail between cities and then, you know, like almost that. L trains or subway sorts of systems, which I'm all for the L uh, as opposed to the subway after learning how much it costs to build a subway tunnel, probably above ground for most of it would be better. Yeah. Um, Streetcars, trams, whatever, yeah, that kind of stuff. And that's all like transportation kind of stuff. Um, and, and we can get more in detail with that like later, but you know, obviously I'd be looking to start phasing out, you know, fossil fuels in general, everywhere they're being used, uh, including obviously for power generation. Um, I've, if I'm climate Stalin, we're going to see a whole lot more fucking windmills and solar panels. There's some, you know, issues obviously with solar panels going at scale. Um, and they use, you know, fancy minerals and stuff. I don't know anything about, but to whatever degree solar power is possible for us to do, um, I would invest pretty heavily in that, you know, outfitting homes with that. Um, and even, you know, considering interesting sorts of solutions like, I don't know, putting solar panels um, like in sections of street or whatever, too. Yeah. Like so, over the street, you mean? Not well, not even over, like, you know, in a way that you could theoretically drive over it, but like maybe isn't even where you drive, like almost like a curb that has like solar panels in it. That's just sitting in the sun collecting that shit. That could be like municipal power generation. Again, I've heard no some strong how... critiques of like that sort of technology, but I, I think yeah. to the heart of what you're saying is a good point, which is like, if you're a climate Stalin, you don't make a bunch of executive decisions. You consult experts on those decisions. Exactly. Yeah. Like to what I know, I'm like, okay, Solar will probably play some role. I don't know how big because I know there are issues with um, that technology. And, you know, hey, I'd probably empower some people like, hey, here's for take some of that fucking military money and say, yeah, this is for developing new technology on that. Because, of course, all the biggest technology that we have comes from public spending, you know, all those big vaccines, Mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals, the Internet, your smartphone all comes from public research that companies later just fucking buy out the patents for almost all of it is publicly funded though so i'd probably put a lot into that and obviously it would never be privatized that shit would be public oh and if we're uh if we're talking about the military um you know think of like all the nuclear powered aircraft carriers and submarines that we could just like bring back to port and use the the reactors to like power the city that they're next to. Oh yeah. You know, like interesting. Yep. Hell, you know, know, the other thing I'd probably end up doing is, I mean, obviously, and I'm sure everyone would do the same, you know, we would be pulling back on military bases. They'd be like, okay, we're pulling out of all these other countries. Sorry, we fucked up. We're going to do what we can to help, but also investing in this sort of infrastructural improvement 
in all those other countries that we for so long fucked up. So if I'm climate Stalin, we get the cho- we get to make the choice. Um, we're going to use some, you know, significant portions of our resources to improve those other areas in which we have been meddling and fucking things up. Um, so are we going to like drone strike uh, coal plants in other countries or? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, well, you, you get what I'm saying is, uh, you know, building plants, building out infrastructure for high speed rail there so that they don't have to like do this middle step of cars and shit. Yeah. So like part of the plan for me would be addressing the wrongs that we have done abroad because obviously that impacts climate change globally. And then, you know, obviously I'd also probably, uh, I would elevate indigenous people and, in you know, in the United States to like here, like this is like your land. You decide, like you get a say in like, Oh, there's an Exxon plant there. Well, up to y'all how you deal with that. But like, you know, I, I feel like, indigenous folks already have uh government setups that they could easily put into practice for how the land is stewarded that would actually also go a long long way to helping address climate change um so like that kind of stuff already exists and obviously you're deferring to experts where you can so um yeah a lot of green energy and trying to address the international impact of the United States. Hopefully here, for the better. Here are the executives from Exxon responsible for putting this plant here. We're going to look this way for a little while. <laughs> and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's my you, plan. You'll see we've addressing. conveniently built you a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do with it what you will. Um, all right. That's all I got. That's, that's, that's enough. Yeah. I, I mean, Y'all covered a lot of all of it already. I mean, it's hard to expand upon that, but I'm sure there's more. One thing I would say is like expanding upon solar energy, like where it's viable using and utilizing literally any and all renewable technologies that we can. So like geothermal, where there's access to geothermal energy, wind, where there's access to wind, thermal or uh solar everywhere i saw someone had a um prototype for like tiles on the sidewalk that when you step on them generate power put those in the sidewalks put them in the streets people have showed like like hydroelectric energy people have shown tidal energy uh generation basically like an offshore plant that it just gets moved by the tides and that generates energy Literally, there's so much movement and kinetic motion happening in our world constantly. If we just start utilizing that in like all these little small ways all the time, because that's like one of the big issues that people bring up with renewable energy is that like it's really hard to store. And like obviously lithium is really bad to mine out of the planet. Like obviously we don't want to be mining a shitload of lithium. That's not good for the planet either. But if we were just generating so much power constantly that we didn't really have to store it long term to be used, where like there was a constant cycle of energy generation that could just be used as needed and constantly flowing. And if we waste a bunch of renewable energy, it's not really a waste. We're just not utilizing energy that's constantly being created. That's perfectly fine. You know, you don't need to store it for long periods of time if you have a constant flow from multiple sources. So that would be like my big thing is just like literally yeah. any possible way that we could generate energy doing that and connecting the grid. Cause there's three power grids in the U S the East West and the Texas grid, connecting all those grids together, making it a constant flow of energy that can be utilized as needed and where we don't have to have long term, long term storage solutions, I think would be a big oh, yeah. thing. You know, Zach, I, I might have mentioned this in a previous episode, but um, the author, uh, Cory Doctorow, had this concept of, uh, I forget exactly what he called it, but like, basically, if there's not enough renewable energy to like run a factory, just mm-hmm. shut down the factory for a few hours and let everyone go home yeah. and take a, you know, like, we don't have to like keep working eight hours a day if 
there's no need to or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's another thing. Like, yeah, our 24 seven production society would obviously be changed within this. Yeah. Like we would not be producing so much shit constantly. Like, yeah, we would just ebb and flow. Eight hours a day max, unless it is like a vital like thing that needs to be operated more or like full, full time, you know, like yeah. obviously people are going to have to manage like energy grids and stuff like that. But like, you know, the grocery store doesn't need to be open 24 hours a day. Hell, you won't need oh. grocery stores because you're eating from the communal kitchen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like just yeah. setting things up in a more logical and efficient way would do away with like a good portion of our energy waste that we have right now. Like, yeah. Does a Taco Bell need to be open at 3 a.m.? I don't fucking think so, honestly. No, no, like, actually, no actually, that does need to be. <laughs> that is actually vital. I'm sorry. Taco Bell doesn't need to open before 10 p.m. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but like, and I know it's contentious, and I don't have enough information on it to really argue its viability against anyone, but I think having a nuclear backup for like, like, you know, absolutely necessary things where it's just like, yeah, this has to have constant power all the time. Like, you know, a hospital or something like that. Like, okay, yeah, if for some reason we lose all of our wind, solar, geothermal, and every other energy source, we have to have something there just to like, as a failsafe. I think nuclear is a better option, especially in that kind of system where like you're not relying on it constantly it's just a there is like a listen we're not going to run out of power no matter what for these specific things i i would say those things are already run off of like generators so to be and you wouldn't want to like decentralize nuclear power generation that that could be a problem but Wait. like more more nuclear power in general but like that's not something that you would that's not something you like take up like, Oh, we got to, you know, we have a high demand. We got to add a little bit more. That's sort of a, that is a power system that just kind of has to always run. So like you would have the backups would be like the renewables, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe power is good. I think in my opinion, I think maybe the better way to frame it is things that literally cannot ever lose power, even for a moment, like a hospital or something like that. We just put on nuclear power. Everything yes, else yeah. that like, yeah, if you're at work at your factory job and all of a sudden you lose power, it's like, oh, well, I guess we're breaking or going home until we get power back. Yeah, that's all based on renewables. That's- I also think it's worth remember, like, if we are not using oil for literally every conceivable uh, thing that we could, then there suddenly becomes a lot of oil that we do still have the option to use in a pinch. Like, there right. would be yeah. nothing wrong with a hospital having a backup diesel generator. Yeah, 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 yeah but yeah, I hell you can know, maybe you, you can retrofit them to do veg, vegetable oil, but like <laughs> yeah, you know something like a hospital, you could you would never want that to lose power. Put so. the hospital next to the communal kitchen. All of their vegetable oil waste powers the hospital. <laughs> Boom, problem fucking solved. Shit's easy, dude. <laughs> well, and and you know i think there are some newer designs for small like modular nuclear reactors that are supposed to be more safe and and everything but those are like on the scale of like five megawatts so like running a small town off of yeah. um you wouldn't have like one for your your single house or whatever yeah um yeah it's for a whole city um <laughs> I Unless you're like, a libertarian, maybe. No one said this, and I, I, I forgot to say no, it, I, but I was going. <laughs> I was going to add, we should go, in, if, if it was up to me, we'd be going back to, uh, if you were able to work remote during COVID-19, you were working remote again. Yeah. Like, 100%. I'd be like, you don't need to go to that fucking office. Absolutely. On, yeah, not required. Man, I remember, like, how much of a difference it made when people weren't driving to work, like at the beginning of the pandemic. Holy shit. Yeah, we'd go back to that in a heartbeat. Actually, a lot of those people probably just have jobs that don't matter. And <laughs> not, no, this is not a condemnation of them. It, it, it's saying like, no, we will no longer just require people to do shit just to justify their existence. That's going to like free up a lot of resources and it's on its own. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. For more on that, read uh, Bullshit Jobs by David Graeber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I, well, I had one other thing that I was going to say. And I oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, sorry. I, I lost it. Let me give me like one second. It was. Um... Well, I mean, if you want to keep looking that up, I uh, I did hear something about an idea to get geothermal power out of Yellowstone where they like basically deep drill down to the magma and get basically as much hydro, uh, what do you call it? Or geothermal power as you can take out of it. And then it has the side effect of like not causing the volcano to explode and kill us all. Oh, if it would have that. Oh, that sucks. Out of that. <laughs> I mean, I was really looking forward to that. That's a real yeah. double-edged sword of a solution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it would like make as much power as like ten nuclear power plants or something. So the Jesus. only problem is it would be in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. So you know you're going to have some long transmission lines, but I don't know. You could power all of like uh, you could power about half the U- half the U.S. Pretty much cover everything west of the Mississippi River. Maybe not quite that much, but like uh, at least all the surrounding states, you know. Yeah. Basically the whole Midwest. I mean, there's like a couple hundred thousand people in the entirety of it. They don't need that much power. They're fine. <laughs> I, I don't know if these these numbers are correct, but uh, <laughs> they are not. Just like none of these numbers are even close to accurate. But <laughs> Well, uh cool. Uh do we have anything else or should we wrap up here? Uh, we can wrap up here for now. We can, and then however we edit this, uh, yeah. do whatever. But yeah, that's all. Uh, I think that's all we need for this question. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, cool. A lot, well, uh, so a lot could be done about climate change. This is all us dreaming, though. It's not going to be done. Oh yeah. Well, wait, <laughs> way to bring it back to the depressing reality. <laughs> <laughs> Always ending on a down note here. I don't know. I don't think that. It, let's not end on a down note. Like. We've been as we've been talking. It's just been making me think. Like, let's let's say that like tomorrow, all of not even all of, but like real effort. Like we just kind of mentioned. Like I'm sure some of our ideas were bad. Like some scientist somewhere is just like, actually, that's the stupidest thing you could have said. (laughs) (laughs) But like the if you took the gist of it and and actually dealt with professionals and swapped society over that way. I'm over here daydreaming what that looks like in 40 or 50 years after not only have you switched society over to something sustainable, but then it begins to develop organically on its own in that direction. Mm. You know, because the things are going to change. They're, like it, Nothing is ever going to be static in that way. You do what you can to keep it on the rails so it doesn't turn back into the shit show that it came from. But like, it's just really interesting to think of what it looks like. And it makes me think of a lot of like artistic interpretations I've read where like, or um scene rather where it's you know brutalist architecture but with like all of this greenery and like foliage having grown over it and in a maintained way where like you know it's brutalist but has like you know gardens on it from the different tiers of the structure just yeah all sorts of things like that you know actually i that which is a good point i feel like we we, um we should do a better job of trying to sell the future that we want to create because a lot of like being a socialist is obviously criticizing capitalism first and pointing out all those problems. And then some people do have a tendency to say, well, we shouldn't imagine the future because we just have to like build it as we go. And, and to me, I'm like, I I don't think that's always effective. I think it does actually matter to convince people like, this is what we're fighting for. This is the vision. This is what I'm selling today is this better society don't you want this and i think a lot of people would agree so i think you're on the right track there to actually be hopeful and imagine what it what it is we're fighting for because i do think it's good to have a reminder once in a while it's easy to get caught in the doom and gloom and forget what it is we're actually trying to fight for community run speed shops where you could trade your time maintaining the community accessible taxis for turbo and superchargers Hell yeah! <laughs> At first, I thought you meant like places where you can buy amphetamines, but that too. <laughs> Fuck it, man! If you want to get geeked out of your mind and rip around in your supercharged car, I—that's the future I'm fighting for. 
I, I'm not signing on to that idea. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, just have fun living in the past. I draw the line at drinking and driving. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but there's a like a browser-based uh, video game thing that was made by climate scientists to like game out all these different scenarios. Like, what if everyone switches to uh, you know mostly um, vegetarian diet or whatever? Like, how many like points of climate change prevention would that save? Um, and I, I, you know, clicked around on it for a while, but I, I would always lose. So maybe I'm not the right person to be <laughs> answering these kind of questions. But um, if, if the listener or someone else figures out uh, what that thing was uh, called, maybe we should uh, talk about it again. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think we should wrap up here. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good uh, good place to wrap it up for now, and we'll come back to it later. Yeah, cool. Oh yeah. So was, I think that was fun. Yeah, that was that felt weirdly constructive, even though we literally did nothing. <laughs> no, that yeah. felt really. Yeah, you you brought it back, Brandon. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's an artistic approach that I see sometimes that I really every time you I see like an artist depiction of like what a neighborhood would look like if you reclaimed the streets and like added greenery and and trees and such like it's fucking gorgeous man it makes yeah it's, it's we could do a, so much better yeah and unfortunately yeah. a lot of those aesthetics get used by the eco fash people yeah um bastards but, yeah well i don't know I've, I've 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 heard of that but i i see it spread like much broader than that so i don't know yeah fascists always try to steal the cool shit you know yep. fuck them they don't get to. They don't get the right to claim it as their own. Fuck that. Well, you heard it here. Zach thinks fascists have cool shit. <laughs> they steal all the cool shit. <laughs> they do. The swastika was an awesome symbol before they touched it. Like, I'm sorry, but it was before the Nazis got a hold of it. It was really cool, and then they fucked it, and they do that with everything. Literally everything. Being a redneck was fucking awesome before fascists got a hold of it. Uh, some of us keep it awesome. Yeah, that, there are a few maintaining it, but I mean, I don't let that deter me from utilizing cool shit that they think they have a claim on. Some stuff is probably too far gone to be reclaimed, but you know, not all of it. So fuck them if they think they can take brutalist architecture and greenery and make it their ecofash nonsense. No, those are communal gardens run by the people you for the cafeteria. Off. For the cafeteria, whose vegetable oil waste will be used to power the hospital. <laughs> oh yeah, circle of life. <laughs> All right, let's let's call it, guys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. We gonna make you pay five and five bits. We make you pay five and water bits. We gonna fight riches and not riches, but we gonna fight the solidarity. We said we're not gonna fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we gonna fight the socialism. Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemispheres. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. The free market mythology, it argues, that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers, applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation, will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. (laughs) What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.